From Nevada Public Radio, I'm Joe Shaneman, a state of Nevada. Jesus Jara is officially gone from the Clark County School District. The school board last night accepted his resignation after he served as superintendent of the country's fifth largest school district since 2018. And over those nearly six years, Jara weathered the pandemic and turmoil over kids learning remotely. He went through the annual issue of underfunding by the state until pandemic relief dollars boosted the district's bottom line by a few billion. But the controversy over his tenure really boiled over last year during the fight with the teachers union over a new contract. There's bound to be a little bitterness from this resignation as well. Though he's quitting, the district agreed to give him a parting package that includes a $250,000 payment. Today is his last day. With me now to go over Jaro's turmoil tenure is April Corbin Gurness, deputy editor of the Nevada Current. April, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me back. So, April, a lot of people are happy about this departure. They are not happy that he's being paid a large lump sum, including Kelly Edgar. And she spoke at the school board meeting last night, and I want to play that right now. If you allow him to resign with this golden parachute, a quarter of a million dollars. He might pull the wool over the eyes of another school district because they're going to think that he left Clark County School District in good standing, and that is absolutely not the case. He has destroyed lives and careers. So, April, was he entitled to severance by, by the terms of his contract? Yeah, so the way his contract was written was that the Board of Trustees could choose to terminate for convenience, which means that they don't have to provide any reason uh, for uh, not renewing his contract or ending his contract early. Uh, but that clause requires them to pay out the entirety. So his contract ran until June of 2026. So that was about, he would have got about a payout of a million dollars. Um, and that was that was it was written. And so last night they amended that to change, uh, uh, give another option. And Lisa Guzman, who is a trustee on the board, did address this. And here is what she had to say. If they read the contract and they read um, and and saw what what was going to occur, that we would be um, spending over a million dollars. And I do mention our fiduciary duty all the time. Now, that is if they fired him for no reason, but it sounds like there were reasons. I mean, uh, so, so they wouldn't have had to pay out that million dollars. Or am I wrong? That's the argument that a lot of educators and uh, the Clark County Education Association specifically has been making. They've said, we had a public commenter last night say, there are plenty of reasons. And he listed a bunch of controversies that have been happening in terms of uh, an investigation that the, the Federal Department of Education may be looking at in terms of spending the COVID relief dollars. There's been several lawsuits, including one from the ACLU about CCSD dragging their feet on releasing body cam footage uh, related to an incident at a high school. There is uh, the teachers union has alleged that uh, Jesus Jara has a burner account on social media and is, you know, made uh, misogynistic comments towards their leaders. Uh, so there's a lot of those obviously allegations, but they've all uh, sort of said that um, the, the district and that the trustees should be looking at those and that those are reasons for firing. And even beyond that, more sort of fundamentally, there's also the um, issue of uh, student test scores and uh, absenteeism and, you know, all of these other sort of fundamental educational issues that have not improved over Jara's tenure. And they say, hey, that's reason enough. Um, 
You know, it's interesting. You, you say a lot of these measurements haven't increased over his tenure, but superintendents in Clark County always seem beset with issues. And it feels like a lot of times it's not their fault. The, uh, the state's education funding has never kept up with growth here. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of classrooms with way too many kids. We've had low pay for teachers. We have uh, kids with special needs. We hear from parents all the time here. Kids, their, their kids with special needs are not being taken care of the correct way. Even the new contract that was approved last fall is a problem because veteran teachers are getting raises, but new teachers with equal college degrees are going to be paid a lot more to start. I'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars. And then almost three years ago, the school board voted to fire Jara. Then he got a lawyer. Then the board voted to keep him again. Back then, what was the reason for firing? I mean, was there a good reason then? I mean, if you ask three or four of the people who voted for it at the time, there was. Um, but there there was... Um there's always been controversy, and that that's the thing. And I think the, the point here is maybe that knowing what happened in 2021 when they voted and then they took that vote back and sort of unfired him or rehired him, I don't know what the proper term is there, but whatever happened there, that may be something that they are trying to avoid happening now. I think there's a lot of speculation as to like, hey, we could attempt to fire him, but then he would just sue us again. He's already done that. <laughs> and that they may just drag this out and, and lawyer fees are expensive and maybe 200 you know, $50,000 is actually less than what they would pay mm-hmm. if they tried to fire him. And he fought that given the sort of tumultuous relationship and the, the back and forth that they've had with those board members. I think there's an argument to be made that um, there were there were certain people of power who thought that uh, just the payout, as much as it sort of maybe hurts, is better in the long run to allow the district to move on. And I think that's the point. Yeah, you know, part of my point is... <clears throat> I've been here for a while, mm-hmm. and I really haven't. I've never seen a superintendent here who comes through it with flying colors, or who has great reviews by the public, or the school board, or really the teachers union, or anybody. And I wonder if most of this. I mean, do you think you could encapsulate this by saying a lot of this started during the pandemic? I mean, so much turmoil then. And the buck does stop with the person at the top. But, I mean, there were things that were uncontrollable. And and I'm not defending Jesus Mm -hmm. Jarrah. He can do that himself if he were to ever come on this program. But, you know, um, there were – there's remote viewing. Parents were furious about that. There then were – some were furious about putting their kids back in school when COVID wasn't quite taken care of yet. I mean, do you think that might be at the heart of this? That could be. There's certainly an argument to be made that that's the case. Uh, I mean – I think if you look more broadly, you see that with a lot of leaders. I mean, you see that with uh, Governor Sisolak, who sort of navigated us through the, uh, the the pandemic as best as he thought, and the sort of was punished for it at uh, during the during the ballot, and sort of he he was replaced. And I think there was a lot of resentment there about COVID. I think when you're a leader during such a tumultuous time, that the buck does stop with you, and, and I think that did frustrate a lot of people. Um, but but there were problems with him before then that that some people had had. I mean his uh, elect, or his appointment to office wasn't a um, 100% uh, vote. It, it wasn't a unanimous decision at first. There were people who never wanted him in the first place. There was that that search uh, was sort of controversial in terms of what people wanted. Uh, so maybe that set him up for failure. Uh, but I, I don't want to excuse it either. But I, I think there's a lot of ways to look at it. Um, there's certainly that. But there are also other leaders of major school districts who haven't um, gotten laid off since the pandemic. And there, there are people that have been success stories in terms of how they handled it. Um, so while it maybe doesn't feel unique to Nevada, it certainly uh, could have been better. And I think that ultimately there's a lot of people in the education space who say, 
maybe we don't have the best track record in terms of keeping superintendents long term. Maybe we've had issues with this, but that doesn't mean that we should lower our standards and we should demand better and we should go forth and learn from this um, and that we shouldn't settle just because you know, this is the best we can get. I think there, there's aspirational. Well, they did, again, yeah. accept Jara's resignation. And then they named Deputy Superintendent Brenda Larson-Mitchell as the interim superintendent. And here's what Larson-Mitchell said about herself at the meeting. I've served in this district for 30 years. I've served as a teacher. I've served as an administrator. I've served as a principal supervisor, chief academic officer, deputy superintendent, and superintendent. I have always operated with a sense of kindness and integrity, morals and ethics, and a passion for education, always. It has been my honor to serve the children of this district, to serve the educators of this district, and I work hard every single day. I display a relentless sense of urgency on behalf of our children. Our children are depending on us to provide stability in these trying times. You know, April, the teachers union did a survey of thousands of its members. Mm-hmm. 80% of them gave Larson Mitchell a no confidence rating. What has she done or, or not done to get such poor ratings? Yeah, I mean, I think the issue is that uh, Brendan Larson Mitchell is or was uh, Superintendent Jara's, you know, secondhand person, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, firing the boss and then picking their best friend as uh, you know, their successor. I think that's the issue is that um, c- clearly the people that are in leadership at CCSD at the at, were, were handpicked by Jara. He gets to pick the people that are in those positions. Um, and, and then she's been in sort of lockstep with him uh, for that. So I think that they see it as a continuation um, there are probably instances specifically to her. I don't know of them offhand, but uh, it, it generally comes down to the fact that she's the, the secondhand person to the person that they don't like. Yeah, they so. think it'll be a continuation of, exactly. of whatever he did. Larson Mitchell is, is just the, sup, the interim superintendent. The board also listened to a presentation about a step to be taken to find a new superintendent. What are those steps? What are they going to do? Yeah, so they they have to decide that. The sort of conversation began sort of in earnest last night. There was a, there's a discussion item, but they'll have a further discussion and sort of actually make the formal plan uh, probably next month sometime. Uh, but but essentially, there's sort of two paths generally. It's that they can decide to do an internal search where they only look at candidates who are internally. That process uh, is, is shorter, uh, maybe one or three months, they say. Um, it costs less money. Uh, or they could use a national, they could have a national search, which means they would hire an outside firm that sort of specializes in hiring and sort of vetting candidates originally and then putting forth three candidates, which is um, that process. That process takes a few months longer and it takes uh, more dollars, uh, but, but it's certainly another option. Jesus Jara, the embattled Clark County Schools superintendent, is leaving for good after the school board accepted his resignation and they're going to give him a parting wage package of $250,000. Administrators, teachers, parents, and students have been talking about Jara and his tenure for months. Anna Marie Binder is a parent who advocates for more support for public education. She's also been the host of an online show called Spill in the CCSDT. Anna, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. You're a parent. Do you consider yourself a public education advocate? What do you make of Jara's departure? Are are you, uh, you know, kicking your heels or or how do you feel? Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, we were never going to make anyone happy 
or like, right, we're, we're going to have constantly people on the right, left and down the middle. But I think one thing we can all agree on is that his departure is very much welcomed in our community uh, for a myriad of reasons. Um, well, what, what was it about him that rubbed you and a lot of parents the wrong way? Uh, For me, it started um, when I found out he attempted to lie to the legislature to get his hands on the carry forward funds. And when you look historically at how hard we have fought to get um, NRS 388G, AB 469, a decentralization, and then just to see him try to manipulate um, access back to those funds um, into his control was, you know, a decade of a slap in the face to you know, our, our legislature and um, all of our advocates that have worked so hard um, towards making um, decentralization um, at the forefront of not breaking up the school district. And so when we look back over, what, the last 15, even 20 years, in the last six years, there's been policy that's come forward that's um, kind of grabbed some of that decentralized power back. Um, The Nevada Department of Education Board looked at that very heavily uh, when they did that right about, I did that happened right after they rehired him, um, I think within a couple weeks of rehiring him. So um, uh, we're we're still dealing. um, I know some of the parents that I um, have come to know and worked with in this community, we're um, a lot of their kids are in college now, and these were kids that were shut out during the pandemic, and they're still struggling. You know, they're they're in college or moving on in their lives, and and they're they're still having mm. a, a really hard time adjusting to the loss that they had. Uh, I know a lot of us, you know, like <laughs> I haven't been in high school in a really long time, but I have um, four kids that have recently graduated too that are still in high school. I couldn't imagine as much as like people say, hey, if you could go back to high school and do it again, would you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think most of us say no. But I think for for that generation of kids, they absolutely would because they lost a lot. Like when you think about your, your ending high school years, um, they lost um, opportunities. They lost um, access to scholarships. They lost time with their peers. Um, Do you think that was because of the pandemic, though? Um, it absolutely was. But when you look back at that time, the state only shut um, schools down for like six weeks. It was a local decision to keep them closed for over a year. And so when um, – I don't know who knows this, but I was the first parent in Clark County to go start standing outside of um, the CCSD Sahara Admin Building um, begging for my now second graders, FAPE. Um, He was in the kids program at the time and um, lost all of his services. He's uh, at the time was nonverbal autistic um, and and desperately needed um, the services, you know, that were to be provided to him. And he was not alone. And so along that path, I met um, thousands of um, special education parents and then ELL parents and um, parents that were just sitting there helpless because they couldn't do anything um, for their vulnerable children. So, so you wish the schools had been opened much sooner. Uh, obviously, there's there's arguments on the other side, and we have talked over the years, especially during the really two heavy years of the pandemic on this program about that. I wonder if you is there anything you can think of in your mind that you think Jesus Jara has done well during his almost six years? 
Um, I think I'm one of the most publicly critical people of him. Um, I have thanked him periodically for particular things, but I don't think some of those things were completely his control. He's the one at the top, right? So when we go into board meetings, he's um, he's the boss, so you thank him. And um, I believe that we do have cabinet members and within our regions and our schools, we have amazing people who show up for work every day with our children's um, safety, well-being, education at the forefront of, of why they, they show up. And and so I don't get to encounter them every single day, so I try to show gratitude where I can um, and thank the superintendent because he's the boss, right, whether he's magically making that happen or not. But one thing, um, I've only had one meeting over all the years with him, and the the burning question from him to me was, why can't um, our, our community, why doesn't our community unite? And it was a really good question. It's a question that I keep in, in, in my mind all the time when things are happening and I'm trying to rally people, you know, to show up or speak up or, um, you know, move an important issue. But we are, we're all so divided. So just as many people who you know, in the future are going to complain about the payout, but he's gone or wanted to keep him or or absolutely adore him. Um, in Clark County, because we're comprised of such a diverse community, I don't think that you're ever going to see one issue that we will completely unite about. Well, let me ask you this then in that regard. Uh, do you think Larson Mitchell, the interim, is going to be the type of person who does bring about that unification? And, and if not, would you be concerned if the board doesn't do a national search or do you want a local search? Um, I, br- I briefly spoke with um, Brenda Larson Mitchell after um, the meeting last night and just kind of implored to her like how important the community meetings are. And and I even said in my public comment last night, all you have to do is open the door. The the public is there. We want to participate, whether that's educators, parents, students, um, our, our business um, partners. Um, everybody wants to participate. So I just implored her. I said, you know how to open the door. You've done it before. You've done a great job. Like, that's what I'm looking for. And whether the board does a national search or not, um, we'll see. But I, I believe that here locally, we have a leader that can take the last six years, put it to bed, and and move us forward in, in a really positive um, way. Do I know exactly who that person is? No. Okay. So you think a local search would be ample, would be adequate? I, I think we it, we could. Um and I think that I really think that the board needs to hire an employment attorney to work out those terms because um, we obviously don't need to be writing contracts to keep to get somebody and keep them for a really extended period of time, not knowing where that that person's going to to take us. Yeah. Um, so they could be very intentional about if they wound up do, only doing a local, they could write the contract in a, in a very beautiful way that doesn't tie us for, you know, four or five years into, you know, potentially another failed leadership. We, we got an email from a Ken who says, I'd like to know why the superintendent receives an exorbitant salary. Are exorbitant salaries the only way we can attract 
supposedly quality school supers to our town. Seems like they come here for the salary and end up being unsatisfactory. Has this position gone the way of big-time celebrity pay and the high-salary sports figures command? Maybe we should cut back and put some of that money back into the classroom. And uh, April, you cover school, the school district. Is is the high pay that we see, I mean, this is the fifth largest school district. And the, the pay to most people that the superintendent here gets is very large. But in comparison, is it that large? I mean, is that what you have to do to get a really good person? I mean, I think that's the argument. I think that, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head in terms of where our CCSD superintendent salary compares to other uh, sort of similarly sized districts. But the last time somebody did that uh, comparison, it wasn't, we weren't sort of grossly higher than other people. Um, So you have to remember that um, CCSD is one of the largest employers in the entire state. They have a massive amount of employees. I don't know the exact number off the top. It's 45, something like that. 42. 42,000 employees. You're looking at 300,000 children who are basically under the care of one individual. I mean, it's a huge load of responsibility. Um, And and I don't, that's certainly a lot more money than I make and a lot more money than most Nevadans make, but that is a a weighty responsibility. So I think that, um, you know, I I think some sort of higher salary is sort of warranted and that's the sort of argument. Um, And and yeah, that's, that's... You know, I've asked this of others on the show in the past. Uh, Support for Nevada schools has been abysmal really for decades because we grow so fast and the tax funding just does not keep up. So we have these massively overcrowded schools, underpaid teachers. We've had uh, poor support for kids with special needs. So I I have to ask this again. Do you think anyone, anyone coming in here to be superintendent actually has a real solid chance to make things better? And I'm going to ask that. Of you, Anna, we have about a minute left. Sure, uh, absolutely. Um, I think that the individual spirit um, and support are going to be instrumental. And if we can all do one thing, that is going to be to support um, Brenda Larson Mitchell as we go through this journey of um, selecting a permanent superintendent. And again, whoever they pick, not, not everyone's going to be happy. Um, but what we can do is try to create an environment where they're welcomed and provide the opportunity for them to give us a brighter future. All right. Well, that's, uh, I'm afraid that's all the time we have. Uh, April Corbin Gurness is deputy editor of the Nevada Current. Anna Marie Binder is an advocate for public schools. And Superintendent Jesus Jara, who came to Clark County and the school district in 2018, is gone. Today is his last day after the school board accepted his resignation last night.